Hey, hello, welcome back to the High Tech Ventures podcast. This is Torsten speaking, and this time I'm very pleased to have Lamin Ben Hamdan as our guest. He's a very experienced technology transfer specialist who has been working at Fraunhofer in Oxford, and we talk about his experience on how to build new ventures out of research organizations and based upon new technologies. But right now, Lamine is especially experienced in the so-called venture client model and in corporations with startups from a corporate perspective, because he is the head of partnerships and corporations for startups at Infineon, a large semiconductor company based out of Munich. And so he's working with all sorts of deep tech startups right now, helping them to understand how Infineon can help them. And he has established quite some models on how to make those corporations happen. So we touch upon that and then especially also how Lamine envisions some of the startup corporations to help us to become more sustainable. Let's get started. Good morning, Lamine. It's my pleasure to welcome you here on the High Tech Ventures podcast. How are you today? I'm very fine. Thanks a lot. Christmas is ahead everyone's slowing down that's true <laughs> great absolutely but we are still at full speed and i'm looking forward to our chat in the next couple of minutes so before we dive into the topics uh, for today could you briefly introduce yourself and maybe give us an idea of the major building blocks of your career because you have done quite some stuff that's very interesting for our audience yeah so um i'm lamine i'm uh, lamine ben hamdain i i live in munich um grew up there um, I'm a mechanical engineer by training, um, so I, I, I started my career basically, yeah, in, in a startup, um, in a software startup um, in, in the early days uh, when the dot-com bubble was still alive. Um, and uh, yeah, that startup got sold to, to, to ABB. Um, and then Basically, I changed the uh, career a bit um, um, more towards sales and marketing of always of technical products. Yeah, so I, I worked a long time for ABB in international sales and marketing uh, to sell basically energy infrastructure um, in other countries. Um, so that that was a large part of my career. Um, before then, I changed again a bit my my, my direction more towards innovation. Um, and I, I did another master in innovation management, and then I was was looking basically for for a job in innovation management, and so I ended up at Fraunhofer in tech transfer, in a tech transfer office for one of the Fraunhofer institutes, and since then I have been active uh, in this area of commercializing research, first on the university and the research side, and then switching over to corporate, uh, more pulling in uh, innovations of startups. Very good, thank you. Um, and one of the my favorite questions always is, especially when you have an engineering background, why did you choose to move to the dark side, to the business side, uh, in the in the very beginning already? Uh, and what drove you to get into innovation management? Actually, yes, um, I think it was for me very clear from the beginning that I was not a typical engineer. Um, I was interested in technology. But I was not the one um, focusing on details for many years and optimizing a machine down to the last screw. Um, and I had always those both interests, technology and business. And I was always looking to combine both. And that's why I ended up, I ended up in marketing and sales roles 
um, from the beginning already, um, which is basically where you need to master both or you basically always have an interface uh, function to the outside world. So first, of course, to the customer when you are in sales. Um, but then, um, yeah, if you commercialize technology, for me, it's essentially a business development role. Yeah, You have to convince other people about the benefits of technology. So that's always the same, basically, on that level. Um, why I switch more to innovation? I think um, after eight, nine, 10 years in, in sales and marketing roles, um, yeah, I saw that you are always selling uh, existing products um, um, that, that, uh, that already exists for a long time, especially in the energy industry. Um, and then I thought, well, I want to, 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 yeah, to move more towards innovative products uh, where the outcome maybe is not that clear from the start. So that attracted me um, for the rest of my, my, my career. And that's why I made the shift. Perfect. Um, and you already touched upon your time at Fraunhofer, and this is where both of us met for the first time as well. Uh, and you also did tech transfer in Oxford. So two very strong and renowned research organizations, but probably also different. Maybe could we, could we dive a little bit into your experience, maybe first at, at Fraunhofer uh, and Oxford. What, what is hard about technology transfer uh, and what are the core challenges that you have faced in, in your roles? Mm. Yeah, I think uh, well, what is hard about technology transfer is, of course, that you have lots of technologies that haven't reached uh, uh, the right maturity level yeah, to be ready to be transferred to industry. Um, so many technologies, they, they still need years to be developed more in academia and via public funded projects before they are really ready to be taken up by industry. That was... Um, um, at least also my, 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 my experience at Fraunhofer, where I happened to be, um, to be in touch with some of those tech topics, like flexible electronics, for example, that, that were just not mature enough to be taken up by industry. Um, while there were others, um, um, like micro pumps that were much further and where you could see much, much higher interest, um, in, in the industry. Um. So I think that, that that's a crucial that plays a crucial role, um, and then of course the incentive structure at Fraunhofer um, is not the same as in a university like like Oxford. Um, at Oxford, you have lots of young researchers, uh, PhDs, postdocs, at the beginning of their career, um, and um i would say uh, they have a bit of a different mindset maybe also because it's in the uk where where where, where you just have yeah you you feel that you are a bit closer to the us uh, concerning the mentality and you you have a bit of more of a risk uh, taking approach um and so a lot is happening in 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 oxford university there's lots of activity um to create university based spinouts and so from your experience, what really drives researchers to work on technology transfer in general, but especially on, on building their own companies? Uh, and was there and is there a difference between what you've seen at Oxford and also the applied research organization Fraunhofer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, so, so it, what I see, what um, I mean, the, there is, as I said, there is a lot of activity at, at the University of Oxford um, to, to, to spin out companies. 
I think um, that there are basically three, four ingredients um, that I saw there yeah, that uh, that creates this activity. So of course, uh, I touched upon this. Uh, the researchers they have they have this mentality. They are at the early stage of their career, and they have the role model as well in mind that uh, uh, they have seen other researchers before uh, creating successful uh, spinouts. So that's uh, th that's one thing. Um, then I, I saw there's a, a big investor community, both uh, business angels, but also professional funds who really focus on uh, university or research-based spin-outs and, and want to fund them very early on at seed stage. Um, also moonshot projects um, coming out of universities. Um, so a very active investor community. That's the second ingredient maybe. Um, the tech transfer office uh, was of high quality, I have to say. So you basically need people who know how to deal with different people. Yeah. So um, different people in the sense, yes, there are academics. They have their pride and their uh, expectations, uh, what, what should happen. Um, and then there are investors, of course. And then uh, you have uh, maybe external team members that you bring in from the business and you have to to manage the expectations of all those and understand the worlds a bit of of all of those parties and i think um, at oxford university it was really um, a great team in that respect um, they were all um, experienced business people themselves uh, with ac academic background um, yeah and and then maybe the fourth ingredient is really that you have some experienced business people maybe even late in their career who are looking to join a startup yeah, um, and, and to bring in their experience that they gathered in an industry and join um, a startup with uh, with young PhDs um, together and, and make it happen. And, and this openness, um, I think is, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that's very helpful. So is this the dominant pattern you have seen for founding teams or for uh, university spin-offs that there's this young PhD uh, driven by its technology who really invented something very, very new. And then there's the experienced business guy coming from the outside and uh, you match both. And this is the, the winning team. Is this your experience? I mean, it, it helps. Yeah, we, we were looking always to complement the academic team uh, with uh, experienced business people. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be always the case. Yeah, sometimes you really have um, also um, from the founding team from academia people who are from their nature and interest very business minded. Um, um, but sometimes it, it really makes sense to to have an external uh, someone external uh, from the business who knows the industry very well, who knows the pain uh, in the industry, and who can help the academics to to formulate a strategy and the value proposition. And regarding the funding for technology development, uh, you touched upon this valley of death um, in the very beginning where you said sometimes the majority of the technology is lacking uh, and either industry cooperation partners would fund that or government uh, funds would fund that or venture capital would do it. So what is your experience and what do you favor as a funding mechanisms for taking early stage research results into something that is actually applied and can be transferred into the market? Well, I, I think all, all the three um, 
instruments make sense. Yeah, I think it it really sometimes really depends on the technology. Um, I I see the value of public funded projects is definitely there. Yeah, that you have uh, um, yeah um, time to to develop a technology further. You have the money. You, you also create connections to other industry partners in a consortium that could be then later your customers or your suppliers. Um, um, so I think that's uh, that's definitely a, a, a good way to do it. But then at some point in time, of course, um, I think uh, private investors um, should take over um, to really um, increase speed yeah? and, 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 and market focus. Um, and not to conduct uh, basically happy research without without the end in mind of creating a profitable business. Yeah, and that's that's sometimes maybe the case when you do a public funded research that you can do uh, research without being constrained too much um, of yeah creating a profitable business. And that's that perspective is exactly what uh, what a private investor brings in. Very good. And um, so there's another fundamental question, and I think for your tech transfer roles uh, at Fraunhofer and at Oxford. Uh, for both, you always um, had this kind of tech push approach. So there was probably already an invention or some some new technologies that have been developed. And then you are looking for the right solution and the right problem out there in the market. Uh, is that still a valid approach? Um, how, how would you see that in the, in the general theme of innovation? Do we still need technology push innovations or should we think the other way around? Maybe uh, industries or founders or investors are coming with the problems and then research organizations should try to to focus on, on what's coming from the outside and develop the respective technologies. Yes, um, yeah, I think when you, yes, I think naturally when you work in tech transfer, you, you, you as you said, you are, you are confronted with uh, this technology push um, where researchers have invented a new technology um, and, and they want to bring it to the market yeah and and i think the role of the tech transfer is exactly to bring in this external perspective very early on um, where you ask yourself okay uh, you have a nice technology and now what what can you do with it what's 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 the big advantage that you want to to create um, in the outside world and, and that's the the crucial role of a tech transfer manager to bring in this perspective and to bring in maybe potential customers um, for, from the industry um, to give feedback on, 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 on what is really the pain and, and how they value this, would value this technology. Um, and, 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 and still, I mean, you, you can always tune the technology more to the left or to the right a bit um, in your value proposition and also in the, in the direction where you develop the technology in the last steps before spinning it out um, and uh, to do certain tests um, uh, to address certain use cases. So you can always tweak it a bit. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it's very crucial to bring in this perspective from the start. And uh, yeah, the, the, the tech transfer office should, should facilitate that. Meanwhile, you have transitioned into this new role. Now you're working at the corporate. You're still at the interface between the corporate and the startup ecosystem, and you probably still are in good contact with research organizations. So, so how is that perspective different now looking at the innovation ecosystem from the corporate side? Yeah, of course. Now I focus. Uh, I'm a bit later in 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 the 
yeah in the trip uh, on the on this commercialization journey uh, of course uh, in the in at research i was at the very beginning where the startup wasn't there yet and now i'm i'm of course i'm i'm looking at um at startups that yeah that have been founded um, um have our legal entity have a full time team um and and really are in 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 the prototyping stage um or even already have a, a finished product and and so i'm looking at technologies that are a little a little bit more mature um because they are already commercialized by by startups i think that's um <clears throat> that's the main main difference um i think um on a higher level it's still the main capabilities that you need yeah you need to manage the expectations again uh, of the startup and uh, also of the corporate what what the startup can 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 bring um, but also towards the startup what we as a corporate can provide and what we can't provide i think that's also important again here in this uh, relationship give us a bit more details about your role now at infineon and the the program and the activities you're running there and also touch upon the mutual benefits for both the corporate and the startup um, for for this collaboration yeah i think at infineon we we have a broad possibilities to work with startups <clears throat> i would say um uh, we work with startups on the business side um so um startups basically as our customers potentially yeah startups that work uh, that build hardware devices um, and that can make use of our products that's that's one category of of startups um and we are looking to support their startups that work in we call it emerging applications for semiconductors um, where we think these applications will grow in the future um, and the benefit for us is that we really get early insights uh, about innovation on system level yeah for example if uh, one of such applications are for example wearables or uh, ev charging is another um, relatively new application um, that is gaining speed so we want to get insights of what is happening on system level um, um that the, so the startups uh, they develop basically the system from our perspective we want to get early product feedback and of course we want to position infineon in those new applications very early on um, by having a nice demonstrator with a startup and infineon components inside so that's i think the the main benefit um that we want to create here um, and then um, you have um, the other perspective where you say okay let's bring in um, mature startups um, that offer solutions to to optimize our own internal processes for example in manufacturing where you have maybe um, cases where you want to 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 automate um, visual inspection for example um, so you bring in startups that offer mature solutions where you can automate certain processes i think that's that's how most uh, most other corporates are also approaching um, the topic of startup corporations but we as infineon as we are at the beginning of the value chain for our products uh, selling those small sem semiconductors sensors and so on um we also see the value in having in exploring new applications together with startups um as customers very good so um the first use case was looking for adjacent business opportunities um and and building together with startup they are based on the asset that you bring as as infineon where and how do you find those startups 
and how do you know they are the right partner for you? Yeah, we have, um, I would say, the, the, the different channels. Yeah, but um, of course we have uh, the well-known startup databases that we we go and uh, do some research um, um, which startups could be relevant. I mean, the, the driving force, of course, the first step is before doing the research is, of course, to understand the internal business need or the innovation topic that that is in focus from from the business side. I think that's that, that's the yeah, that's the starting point. And I think it's very important to have this business interest defined. Yeah. And and then we we go and look out for startups in, in these areas via databases, um, via our network. Um, we have venture capital investors, for example, um, where we have a network too. Um, sometimes external service providers who do some scouting services for us. So there are different different models than to find the startups. Um, but I think, yeah, important is the starting point. So we don't define the topics on our own, but we are really driven by um, topics given to us by the business. And how do you get those topics? Is that an active push from the business units now that they know you and know that you're doing great work on this interface to the startup ecosystem? Or are you running workshops through all the different business lines just to try to carve out all the challenges that are currently there in place? So, so how, can I, how can I imagine that to happen? Yeah, I think my role is really, um, it's, it's very important to focus on internal networking. Yeah? You need to, to drink lots of coffee with different people, um, um, meet them, um, tell what you're doing, yeah, what, you, what, you, what, what we can provide as a, as a team. We are basically an internal service provider for them. And, and basically create this trust so that they share also their business priorities and their innovation priorities. Um, so internal network is a, is a big part of the of the job, basically. Um, and then of course over time, um, you are known, yeah, that you exist. Yeah, but this this takes time. Yeah, Infineon is a big company with uh, more than fifty thousand employees, so it takes time. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, o over time also we get approached um, um uh, by, by people who, who who ask us for support but i think the, the main uh, it's very important to actively also go go out to people and and ask for a meeting and what is your part of the value creation then so you carve out and carve out and you get those business challenges um from infineon and then you go out through the different channels that you already mentioned to seek startups that might solve those so you're doing the due diligence and to what extent are you still leading then the corporation and what are the key factors for you to decide well we are going to do it with this startup or that startup so so our value proposition is um really in the in the in in the beginning yes to of course to look for relevant startups then together with the business stakeholder to basically narrow down on the top two or three startups that we want to talk to. Um, and then once we have identified those top candidates, really build up the connection to the startup um, where we usually don't have an existing relation. Yeah? So to, to, to build up this, uh, this trust and relation to the startup um, and then basically moderate the discussion process between the startup and the business stakeholder. Bring them together. They should get to know each other. They should become confident um, about the capabilities of each other. 
and and then define an idea how where are the synergies in a, in, a, in a cooperation and we moderate this this um, discussion process keeping up the momentum doing necessary follow-ups so that we come to a decision in a relatively short uh, period of time whether we go forward or not and what are core challenges that you see first of all at what stage are those startups typically what challenges are they facing on their startup journey and what are typical challenges then in the cooperation with Infineon and the corporate? Um, when, we, when we work with, uh, with hardware startups, um, so startups developing hardware devices um, where, where, the, where we support them with our products, they are typically in an early stage. So I would say seed, um, seed stage. They are basically developing their prototype. And I think that's exactly where we come in. Mm. They are looking for know-how, um, technology know-how. Uh, they are looking for a technology partner. And we can bring in know-how, of course, concerning our products, but also uh, concerning electronics, uh, also on a system level. Um, I think that's very valuable to them, this, this exchange. Um, and the other, the other thing that startups need, of course, in this early stage is build up credibility towards their customers and towards their investors um, and, and to get visibility on the market uh, with, their, with their product. And that's also where we support them in a second step. Um, um, once we have, for example, created, demonstrated together with Infineon Insight, we, we promote them by, for example, re, uh, doing a press release um, or we take the demonstrator, the product of the startup with a trade fair uh, to a trade fair where we are anyway attending. Um, to create visibility and also they can uh, use our logo supported by Infineon. So that all helps them to create more visibility um, and, and credibility towards towards their stakeholders in the end. Yeah, and, and working on product market fit probably because, as you said, this is prototyping phase. This is the very early stage. Also being attractive then for follow-up investors. Um, this seems really to help to, to have this collaboration with you. Um, and when we look at those startups that help you with optimizing internal processes, you mentioned that as well. To what extent is that different from this, you push your technology solutions and your experience into the startup that is working on the early prototype? I think that's a, this um, so-called venture clienting <laughs> approach where, where Infineon becomes a customer of, of the solution uh, of the startup and, and uses their solution. Um, is very different, yeah, because you have there we work clearly with mature startups um, that already have a product that ideally have a corporate already as a customer and that can scale, yeah, um, globally. Because uh, we have for fab fa factories um, around the globe, so if we identify a solution, for example, that could benefit uh, manufacturing. Um, and with, if we stay with this example of quality control, uh, automated quality control, we want to scale it um, across uh, all our factories, of course. Um, so there we deal with different startups in terms of maturity, and we also deal with um, internally with different stakeholders. So, um, um, so, so that kind of collaboration is is a bit different, I would say, yeah, um, because it's more mature startups other stakeholders, other topics, of course, of, of um, that are of interest. So I, I see them as two, nearly as two uh, separate, um, separate uh, areas um, where we are active in.
Okay, and so again, the question for for high tech startups, what what do you see as as key factors for understanding their quality, and what kind of are these teams coming from from universities? So more or less two or three PhDs, uh, one of them is the CEO, and the other is still in their old role on, on working on the product and the technology, or is this this magic combination of business guys and and those who, who have been developing the technology? And how how difficult is it to scale hardware-based solutions as opposed to software-based solutions? Yeah, I mean, um, yes, I think the, the percentage of research-based uh, spin-outs, um, I would say, is high Yeah, in, in the topics we look at. Um, mm -hmm. um, how, how do we assess um, the, the, the quality of the startup? It, it, well, for, first, of course, the selection criteria is for us that the startup is active in an area that also Infineon stakeholders are interested in. Um, but then, of course, we talk sure. to the team, uh, we see what are their backgrounds, um, and, and we ask also technical questions to the team to really evaluate, okay, what, what's their background? Do they really have um yeah the the relevant know-how and um, and expertise um do they know what what they are talking about basically so it's really the team um uh, capabilities that we assess um uh, by basically uh, making them talk to our technical experts who really know a lot um, in their domain as well and uh, if they can can talk on eye level um i think that's that's a good sign um, that, that the technology expertise of the team is um, is relevant. And um, we as Infineon, we don't evaluate so much uh, whether the business model of the startup works um, um, and this product market fit, we, we don't evaluate that so much. But of course, then if, if an investor is on board already, um, uh, that, that's already a good quality sign, I would say that uh, makes us also confident that um, someone has also um, uh, thoroughly made the due diligence on the commercial side as well. Yes, concerning your other questions, I think hardware startups, yes, it is much more difficult than software startups, yeah, because you, you need to manage really the value chain and uh, everyone talks about the supply shortage of semiconductors. And of course, I see that hardware startups, that's one of their main concerns also at the moment. Um, but that's, that's really the sign that they need to manage the supply the, uh, and the, the whole supply chain, the manufacturing process. Um, they need to choose wisely their partners um, uh, when they want to, to build the product at scale. I think that's, that's definitely uh, maybe what makes it harder for startups in the beginning at least to scale rapidly. And I assume that Infineon can help with exactly those challenges because you know how to do it. Exactly. We can we can point them to, to certain uh, partners that they need. Um, um, and yeah, that, that definitely we have um, experience how to, to produce products in large quantities and that we can also provide to the startup, yeah. How do you measure success for those activities? Is it just the number of, of matches, which is already pretty, pretty important? Or are you measuring yourself also in terms of uh, return on investment at some point that you bring to, to Infineon? How do you do that? Yeah, that's also not that obvious sometimes. Um, 
to measure it in hard numbers, yeah, because um, of course, when we work with uh, startups that uh, that build hardware devices, um, the main benefit that we get is, as I mentioned, those early insights um, in, into new innovations mm-hmm. on system level, uh, market know-how, um, technical know-how um, that we, that we get. Um, also, this marketing benefit that we position in Finion um as a relevant uh, company in this application so that's th- that's the immediate value that we get uh, then of course in the long term we we may get revenue of course with the startup um if the startup is highly successful um that's definitely um then uh, <laughs> a benefit that we create but that's really um uh, many years down the line, I would say, um, be- before the re- revenues uh, become relevant. Um, so you have to be patient um, o- on this side. Uh, when we work with startups um, uh, to, uh, to use their solutions uh, to optimize internal processes, I think that's a bit easier because there you at least have, in theory, you can say, okay, the startup has made us that much faster and that converts to um, potential cost savings of x x amount of money, so that's that's a bit easier on that side, I would say. Understood. Thank you for your perspective on that. Um, let's let's move forward with the notion that most startup events today are either about deep tech or sustainability or both. Is the topic of sustainability something of interest for you personally and Infineon? Yes, it is, um, and and for me, it's quite fascinating. Yeah, that. Um, that hardware startups and also also startups focusing on sustainability topics in general um, get lots of attention um, at the moment, um, or also from investors. Um, so so that's the that's very exciting times I think um, for startups that that work on sustainability topics, and that matches a lot with what Infineon is doing uh, because with our products we basically um, contribute to a higher energy efficiency um, um, of many devices and, uh, and, and and more intelligence of those devices. So, so that's a good match um, uh, with the startups that are out there to, to co- that want to commercialize um, more efficient uh, solutions. For example, in EV charging, uh, that's just one thing, um, but also topics like energy storage, um, both residential and on the, in the industrial uh, space. So that's ex- that's exactly where we have very relevant products and where there are lots of highly exciting startups out there at the moment. Um, on the other hand, of course, Infineon as a company wants to get more sustainable as well. Um, uh, for example, in manufacturing, where we look for for materials um, that are more sustainable, uh, and of of course to 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 uh, make our own en- energy consumption in manufacturing um, more sustainable, and and also so there they also on that side there are lots of opportunities, and there is lots of interest internally at Infineon. Meaning that when you now are seeking the business challenges um, from your colleagues at Infineon the topic of sustainability is becoming more relevant. And this is a call to to startups that can help you with a making Infineon more sustainable, but also working on a more sustainable world in general with the help of Infineon and your technologies and assets. Um, This is something you're really looking for right now. Yes, exactly, exactly. That is very good to hear and and promising. And do you have uh, some some 
top examples uh, from the last year where you felt like this is a corporation, how you would envision it, Infineon, the startup, and there's also sustainability at the core of this corporation? Yes, uh, for example, um, right here in Munich, we we worked with a startup called Stable Energy. They are basically developing technologies mm -hmm. to make energy storage systems more efficient, safer, um, more reliable, and at the same time also cheaper, um, because you can use also um, second life batteries, for example, in your energy storage system. And if uh, if one of the battery packs um, um, is dropping out, um, you can still use your energy storage system. So um, there we worked with them on, um, um, yeah, we supported them with uh, with our products and, and technical know-how. We did some marketing activities together. So that's, uh, that's a very nice um, cooperation that I would say falls into this sustainability category. Another cooperation is with a startup from Sweden called Blixt. They are developing so-called solid-state circuit breakers, um, which make yeah, energy networks um, more efficient because the circuit breakers can interrupt current much faster. And that's very important to bring in more renewable energies into the grid. Um, and also there, um, it, it's a very um, nice uh, cooperation that we have. Um, and yeah, I would say these are two two nice examples that show how Infineon supports startups that bring new technologies um, onto the market in the sustainability area. Final question maybe on this topic, because I'm always interested, how do you assess the potential? We're talking about startups that in most cases still early stage and not a highly scaled business, but how do you assess this potential impact of startups on this factor of sustainability? Is this something you, which is just calculated and which is anticipated to happen? Or do you do due diligence on that as well? We don't do de detailed due diligence. Yeah, we, uh, well, we, of course, we understand the application and what the startup wants to achieve. Um, um, and and uh, so, so that's enough for us at that stage. Yeah. And then I think uh, as we work with many startups over time, um, all of them bringing solutions uh, to the market in the sustainability area on, on different levels, yeah, um, as you can see in the examples that I mentioned before. So um, I, I think overall right. we have this portfolio effect that in the end, uh, I, I think even if one of the if one or two of the startups don't make it uh, till the very end, um, uh, we, we still have many other startups who really make positive contribution, yeah. Final question for you, Lamin. What do you think, what needs to be changed in especially the European ecosystem to build more of those high-tech ventures in a scalable way and that hopefully also address the SDGs, the so-called sustainable development goals? What, what needs to be changed? Well, I think... Um... It, it, in general, yeah, I think there there are um, of course regions in Europe that are more mature um, when it comes to to spin out creation. As I mentioned, for example, the UK. Um, maybe the, the the mindset is different also in the UK when I compare it to Germany. Um, in Germany, maybe we have to work a bit more on 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 the 
on the mindset of some researchers that they focus maybe less on sponsored research for the, for a corporate, but maybe more on creating their own company. Um, also convincing more experienced business people to to join a, a, a high risk startup. Yeah, that that's maybe in Germany um, where we are less. Um, uh, or more risk averse, um, so to say. So that's a challenge maybe particularly here. Um, I think in general in Europe, I think it has been discussed a lot is the, the topic of when you move towards larger funding rounds. So series B, C and more, where mm. you talk about uh, uh, hundreds of millions of uh, funding, where of course, um, yeah, at the moment, I think, um, yeah, it's it's mostly uh, money from the U.S. or China flowing into those startups, but and I think there, um, uh, yeah, uh, Europe could could improve um, in in general. For example, uh, with the help of the government uh, in the beginning, yeah, um, the government, um, for example, as purchaser of innovative technologies, and of course um, facilitating and and incentivizing um, European VC funds. Um, and also pension funds to invest more um, in this asset class of mature startups. Very good. We will put all of this on the Christmas wish list and uh, let's see what, what happens in the next couple of years. So thank you, Lamine, for uh, this great chat today, for all the insights and the experience from all the different roles you had. Uh, was great having you and um, yeah, hope to see you soon again. Thanks a lot, Thorsten. Have a nice Christmas time. Bye bye. Likewise, bye-bye.